Hey everybody, welcome to another Bald Move Prestige. This time we're talking about The Social Network that recently celebrated its 10th birthday. Uh, it's directed by David Fincher with a crackling, I'm going to call it crackling, screenplay by Aaron Sorkin. It's based on The Accidental Billionaires by Ben uh, Mesrich, who you might have heard us talk about uh, uh, his his book, his, his first book, I think it's probably the most famous book, Bringing Down the House, the inside story of how six MIT Students took Vegas for millions. Uh, it stars Jesse Eisenberg, Andrew Garfield, Justin Timberlake, Army Hammer. Two of them. Two Army Hammers for the price of one. Max Minghella, uh, Rashida Jones, and features very early work by Runa Mari. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Rooney Mara and Dakota Johnson. And features the first ever soundtrack collaboration by Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, which I believe you're the guy that uh, is uh, the expert at this stuff. They they took home Oscar gold for Jim. Yeah. Yeah, apparently. Uh, it's a historical fact. Uh, it was filmed in and around various Boston prep schools standing in for Harvard and L.A. standing in for Silicon Valley. Jim, the social network. Uh, what's your history of this film and, uh, have you seen it before? And if so, what's your relationship to it now? Uh, yeah, we, we went and saw it years ago back when it first came out. Um, so a decade now and, uh, I hadn't seen it since. I think I saw it that once and then, you know, flipped it on, uh, yesterday to check it out again for this podcast. My, the way I remember it coming out of that movie um, the first time was very much a feeling of like, man, I want to get out there and I want to create something, you know, the, the, uh, I want to build the, the empire. Right. Um, second time I get that, I get that sense, but it's, it's lessened by the events that happen sort of after this movie and the, <laughs> the complicated, let's say, uh, post movie history that Facebook has with our society. Yeah. Um, and, and just like, you know, as, as I, as I look more at uh, the guy, Mark Zuckerberg as portrayed in this film. And I don't want to say that's the real Mark Zuckerberg. Cause I don't know. I've never met him. Um, it, it, he, he comes across as more of an asshole and less of an inspiration. Uh, but I don't know. That's just how I felt the first and second times. What about you? Everybody wants to build an empire until they're confronted with the horrors of imperialism. Sure. Uh, no, I, I thought I, we talked about this a little bit before podcast that this movie was kind of a big influence in bald move, not from like uh, corporate practices and structure, but just like, yeah, like this movie came out six months into the bald move experience meant before we'd ever found success with like television and movies back when we were just doing a couple guys talking about stuff. Um, in fact, one of our very first pieces of merch was inspired. I don't know. It was inspired by an after this film discussion at Steak and Shake, which is a hallowed tradition for us. Uh, damn, it feels good to be a ranker. Rancor. Yeah. Uh, that T-shirt, uh, like one of the very first uh, pieces of bald move merch. Do you even still have one? Do you have a Rancor shirt still? I think I still have one. Yeah, I think I might have one in the back of my closet. Um, but it like, yeah, like it, like, uh, I think you and I were still living together this period and it ushered in a period of whiteboarding and trying to think of like what we could do. How could we replicate some of the success here? Cause you did, you want to go out and build something. You want to move mm -hmm. fast. You want to break things. And like you, um, I have come to a different way of looking at this movie now. Um, 
I, I read one thing, I think it was from Slash Film, where they talked about this being a supervillain origin story. <laughs> and that yeah. does feel pretty, pretty right on. Um, unfortunately, a lot of the stuff that they really. Um, oh, boy, it's it's probably we probably need to wait to discuss this because like, I, there's this there's this narrative about like, was this film fair to Mark Zuckerberg? And I remember that was a big thing 10 years ago. Like, well, was he this big of an asshole? You know, he's actually married to the woman that he was dating during this movie. And it wasn't they they made kind of like they fabricated and maybe trumped up a little of the misogyny, his personal misogyny. Um, and I, I know that's like what a lot like I, I think um, uh, both Sorkin and Fincher kind of had some light apology for like, hey, sorry for, you know, maybe doing you dirty uh, in this film, Mark. But, you know, it's a story. We're trying to tell a story here. Um. And and interestingly, like Mark Zuckerberg himself is is like taking personal exception about that aspect of the film, but he's never once been like actually. And also, I hate the way that they portrayed me as backstabbing my friends and betraying business confidants and like welching on deals and trying to screw people over because I don't know is that the factual part of the movie? I mean, a lot um, of this is a, a matter of uh, record in the courts. Um, th- there's a true. lot of information you can go on here. Uh, including live journal posts that are in fact real. Um, you know, I went and I looked and read through some of these things. They're word for word. Uh, right. What, what you see in the movie. And yeah, I mean, it's, I, I definitely think Sorkin took some uh, liberties with the story to make it more sure. interesting, to make it more emotionally engaging for people. Um, and that's where I, I start to say, okay, well, I don't know how I feel about Mark the guy, but I do know how I feel about the events as they transpired in the film, um, which are pretty much based on real life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> where do you want to go from here? I mean, I, I'll also say that I think this is just an amazing film. This is yeah. one of the best scripts I've ever seen. Um, David Fincher, just like I, I remember a lot of the the chatter about this movie was like, oh, they're going to make a movie about Facebook. How fucking boring could that possibly be? Yeah. It's riveting. This film is a two hour movie that dares you to to, to, to peel your eyeballs off of it. Um, and there's so many like Sorkin just I don't probably didn't stumble into. It. He's pretty good at what he does. But like the frame of him using these court depositions yeah. as kind of the backbone of the movie, these dueling three stories. You know, like which one is real or the elements of, of, of them all, um, you know, and then like there's, you know, there's three stories. So there's potentially three protagonists. But like also is Zuckerberg a protagonist is the Winklevoss twins protagonist is uh, um, I forget his Sean his Parker. buddy that he that he ultimately screwed. Oh, oh Sean Eduardo. Parker, no, he's not a yeah, Eduardo. Is Eduardo a, a hero? Um I don't know, because as you said, there's reams of court documentation and you could probably make a, a case for either of, of those possibilities. But I, I'm, no, I'm curious where your uh, sympathies lie in this, because it's it's a very mixed bag when it comes to who I feel sure screwed who and who I feel got the short end of the stick and, and yeah. didn't get justice here. Because like it, it, there's a point in the movie where I go, well, these people should just call it quits like and go their separate ways right like if if eduardo and mark don't agree on the fundamental nature of this business then they should just you know split up and and go do their own things right he should go do eduardo should go do his internship mark should work on facebook sean parker whatever 
and you get the sense that like if that had happened they might still be friends right like they're yeah, they're possibly yeah like somewhere along the way this was clearly doomed because the the people didn't have the same vision for it so why continue mm-hmm. but i don't know there's a lot but of it's money wild because involved. like if you if you like split like at any point other than Facebook having a million users and being, you know, worth a billion dollars, like who is happy? Because like, you know, yeah. like, uh, you know, James Gar- Garfield, Eduardo had fronted all the expenses and put all the skin in the game. Zuckerberg had most of the code, although Eduardo, they point yeah. out, had some key algorithmic contributions to make as well. Yeah, his chest. He's the one to want the monitor. Yeah, which I, I think he- is just how they've always ranked chess players i don't think that was his like like maybe he's the only one who knew about it in this group but that he didn't invent that right well i mean that but that's the thing it's like that's a that's a rushing nesting doll argument that goes back to like who invented anything who was like you know sure i I, I, well that's not my point my point is like I just didn't see it as the brilliant insight that the movie was trying to tell me it was well but that's the thing is like i'm also trying yeah Sure. I'm also like going off of like other research I did where it's like he had like he kind of was the algorithm guy and, okay. you know, Zuckerberg was definitely the coder and, you know, yeah. did the majority of the sweat equity and all that kind of stuff. But he I guess one of his weaknesses is that he didn't you know, this guy had a library of like business algorithms and competition algorithms and all that kind of stuff that he made it that took advantage of. And like I said, that's that's the damnable thing um, about like these businesses is like anytime money gets involved, like, you know, who did what for what? I mean, shit, we've had several of those incidences, not necessarily between us, but like if, with other third parties involved um, in just a 10 years, of, a very small concern. Bald move has been operating. Yeah. Um, maybe we should before we go on, just like for people that haven't seen the movie, like it's hard to spoil if something is based on a real event, but you know, social network is essentially the story of the founding of Facebook. It is fictionalized. It does seem like a lot of the personal motivations and desires of the gentleman in this movie have been kind of reframed to fit a, poten- a particular narrative. But a lot of the stuff about the lawsuits and how things change, the unlikely involvement of uh, uh, Na- the, the founder of Napster, um, all that stuff does appear to be uh, more or less correct. And you'll recognize a couple of people like Peter Thiel, um, you know, that has gone on to for notoriety for other reasons. Um, like, isn't he the one that bankrupted Gawker with uh, Hulk Hogan at his as his cat's paw for outing oh, I, him as a gay man? I think is how. No idea. But like before, you know, Silicon Valley was a big parody on, uh, you know, HBO. It was embodied in a lot of this film. So there, yeah. this is a lot of early days of Silicon Valley, a lot of corporate rating, a lot of like friends backstabbing each other, screwing each other, a lot of like casual misogyny. The stuff that you kind of see is foundational to the Silicon Valley uh, spirit um, is on display of this. And this movie doesn't feel that's the other thing is like this feels like a fairly neutral point of view movie, right? Like, it's not asking you to say Mark Zuckerberg is a cool dude. What he did was cool. It's more of just kind of like, you know, how this thing came about and it revolutionized the world. It really did. Like, you know, it's not just Facebook. There's there's Twitter in there and and Reddit and others. But like these new forms of social media really have changed the world in in many good ways and and, and many bad ways as well. I I Um, think the movie definitely has an opinion on Mark Zuckerberg. The the movie 
essentially says this guy's an asshole. I think it'd be hard to not come out of this movie feeling that way. Yeah, there's a couple scenes I want to ask about um, because the movie does. I don't know. Maybe it's just trying to. That's an active attempt to be even handed um, that they did some things performatively. But um, the movie feels like it's unsure of itself. How far to push that 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 forward? Because it's also gives him a lot of, you know, sympathetic stuff, too. I don't know. Let's let's talk about the movie. Yeah. Um, what do you want to start with? I, I had some things I want to talk about, like the scripting, um, and the film, the art of the film itself and David Fincher. Maybe we could start there. Um, sure. I already talked about the, like, I thought it's particularly brilliant to use the, the backbone of the legal depositions, getting everybody's side of the story as the framework to kind of tell the chronology of this film. It's the one thing that keeps kind of things you know, well, then this happened and then this happened and then this happened because why is this happening? Why is this coming to light at the time? Well, the lawyers are asking the questions and that's how and and you're you're, you're going through, I think, three separate lawsuits in this film. Um, first between the Winkle. No, I guess it's just a two. The, the, yeah. the Winkle Voss twins and their interests with you connect and then his friend Eduardo as business partner. Um, yeah. And that that's interesting because that is not in the book, right? That, that we said this is based off one of Ben Mesrick's books. Um, but that structure isn't involved in the book. And in fact, the book sure. doesn't really have an ending per se, because it's still very much up in the air. What's going to happen with those. Whereas the movie, it, it's weird too, because the book and the movie were being written sort of simultaneously where Sorkin that, yeah. was mostly done with his script before he even really sat down with Ben Mesrick and talked in depth about the book which seems strange given that it's based on the book um, and that the movie has an ending, right? Like it says, oh, you know, Mark Zuckerberg, blah, blah, blah. And here's the settlements. And, uh, you know, it it essentially has an ending, whereas the book didn't have an ending, wasn't even completed. And Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. It's, I thought that was interesting that I, I saw the Sorkin said that he read like, you know, he's looking for books to option and he got to like pay like this wasn't even finished. It was like 10 percent done. He got the third page is like, this is the one I want to do this. Yeah, I've already been doing kind of a bunch of independent research about this tech stuff. And like, yeah, this is the one optioned it. And then they like started writing as a parallel process with occasional phone calls where they're like, hey, what have you found out? Oh, what have you found out? It almost yeah. as like, oh, like a courtesy uh like <laughs> i don't even know why like um I, I guess it's just probably a legal problem like the facebook itself like if you uh just were reading scripts to option you read this guy it's 15 percent done and you just yoinked and made a movie about it you know you'd, you'd be writing a 65 million dollar check with him standing over your shoulder he's hey, already taken could have he's already taken vegas for a ride what are you gonna do sorkin you're gonna outsmart the 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 vegas guys um there's a lot of money to go around on this movie they had a 40 million dollar budget and made 240 something million um it was it made a lot of money for a talky kind of you know highfalutin sorkin film for sure yeah. for sure um i also thought there's like a lot of really neat touches um the way you know, it's, it's something Roger Ebert talked about in his review that like it's notoriously hard to write a film about a writer, you know, because how do you you can't just have a two hour movie of a guy click clacking on a keyboard. And he's like, you know, this is like another level removed, because at least with a writer, you can understand the words that he's writing. But if he's like pounding away on a Pearl script, what the fuck? It's a bunch of curly cue braces and keywords and stuff like that. And the way they were able to 
do like just effortlessly things like er, in the very beginning he's talking about uh, Zuckerberg's talking about his frustration at schools lacking a decentralized or centralized Facebook mm-hmm. and there's like a little thing where as he's writing the document the uh, word processor probably the browser flags the word Facebook as a spelling error you know because it doesn't exist yet there's things yeah. called the Facebook that they have like these are essentially you know yearbooks but like Fucking Netflix does or Netflix Netscape doesn't know about this. Google Docs doesn't know about this. It's not a thing yet. And there's a lot of little touches like that where you don't even notice them. But it's just like kind of underpinning the idea of this guy creating something brand new that I thought was really great. And and my, you know, tech brain who who understands probably 90 percent of what is going on here um, in this scene where he's like hacking all these facebook's uh to get the pictures and put them up on his own site and compare them me i'm sitting there like trying to you know (laughs) parse the the avalanche of information that's coming across in this scene uh to make sure that i completely understand it it's you don't need to right all you need to understand is that he is hacking the school systems to download all of their pictures and put them up on this comparison site that's it and hacking is a lot you know, like the, uh, this, well, he's, he was taking so advantage too, of, but yeah. th- there are there are things in there that I would definitely label hacking. Like huh. if if you have to break, you know, uh, login systems, uh, get around login systems in order to get these pictures, that's hacking. It just doing like a, a wget script to pull down pictures from an open website is not. But I thought that was the thing he didn't really get around. It's just more like the, some of these pages were indexed by search engines, so he knew where the pictures were and the structure was predictable and yeah. the pictures themselves weren't like it, it's more of like the Internet was so much more open than it is now. Yeah. Like now half the time you right click on an image to save and you can't do it because it's a WebP file or they've ob- obviously jumped you through know, a hoop. You have to you have to take the, the unprecedented step of what hitting F12 to bring up the developer tools. And, right. you know, it's like it's or just it's downloading a a, an add on extension that will let you do that by right clicking. Right. And yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, that's that's are we hacking when we download a YouTube file and strip the audio out of it? Like I definitely. But not. I, I, I think they do a good job of that. They also do a really good job of showing. Like Zuckerberg being this outside, I don't know. I don't really don't know anything about Zuckerberg, like what family he came from. But they portray him as like a dude that's there at Harvard, probably because of his merit, because he's got this giant brain and he scored sixteen hundred on his SATs and he's worked very hard. And they contrast that with like the skull and bones yeah. porcelain or whatever the fuck the pig, the the pig secret society behind Harvard. Like I kept on waiting for there to be a good story about all the, uh, you know, did you do any reading about some of these secret societies? No, I haven't like, thought about them since that Joshua Jackson, uh, the, the movie skull and bones, right? Uh, yeah, shit, yeah. it's a fast and furious guy. It's like the story, the the story of how the most prestigious secret society or final club and the Harvard came to be is this a rich kid in the 1790s really hated one of his teachers that 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 uh, stayed in the dorm room adjacent to his. And he had a pig in his his room. And every time the teacher would try to study, he would he would pull on the pig's ears to make it scream. And the the teacher was furious and was going through a manhunt or a pig hunt to try to find the illegal pig. And to keep him from being found, they, they had a midnight roast of this pig that they used solely to torture the, pe- the teacher and decided it was such splendid fun 
that they're going to start a a club that would commemorate commemorate itself to doing such mischief. And then a hundred years sure. later, uh, I don't know. Teddy Roosevelt punched a pig, and a hundred years after that, uh, the Winklevosses came six in Olympics. It's a long, proud tradition. Hmm. But like the way that they 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 said this thing, like, oh yeah, this is the soror- this is the fraternity that um, that rents out a busload of women that want to fuck the next Fed chairman. And I'm like, oh, that's probably hyperbole. But no, actually, they are renting uh, a bus full full of women who are taking ecstasy and drugs and being and being date raped at the at the fraternity. Um, I just like how they showed the contrast between. Mark Zuckerberg and his losers that are in the loser groups and they're like digitally perving on women, you know, um, and setting up sites to compare them to barnyard animals and whatnot. And then the high class is, is renting busfuls of women and drugging and alcohol and, and, and having sex with them. I thought that stuff was really like effective at setting kind of the terms of heroics and villainy throughout the movie. Yeah, I guess I hadn't thought about that angle. Um, yeah, I, I was during those scenes where they're flashing back and forth. I was more caught up in what he's doing there. Um, mm-hmm. And like I said, I was mystified by like, oh, what's the technology going on here? And I wasn't paying enough attention to the what's what's the narrative going on here. Yeah. Um, and then when they they started like talking about him crashing the network. That started to not make any sense to me because I, I did some math. Twenty two thousand hits in under two hours yeah, is like three same. hits a second. If you're. If your Ivy League school can't withstand three hits a second in the mid nineties, you've got a problem. Or then it's not even it the mid nineties; it's, it's the two thousands at this point. Like what? I think it's the late nineties. I think it's a late. Well, this came so Mark was twenty six when this movie came out. I think. Okay. So yeah, I guess I guess you're right. Yeah, he would be that. That would just be five years ago. I mean, the, so the, yeah, all these two thousand five Harvard one connections. It's 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 yeah. a little unbelievable, and I don't know how much of that is fictionalized. Like, oh, we got to heighten yeah. the drama here, so let's have them crash the network and get suspended yeah. or not suspended, but put on academic probation. Which what the double secret probation? Um, yeah. I I also like the look of this film is really amazing. It's I think it's trademark. You know, uh, I don't even know what trademark Fincher means though in this context. Uh, it's very slick and visually exciting. And I can't say enough about the soundtrack. Yeah. Um, we now know that like, um, you know, uh, 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 Reznor and, and, and Ross are a real good combo. They've written a lot of really excellent music. I mean, Ross is now just a, de- he is a de-, a de facto or an actual member of Nine Inch Nails. Oh, I don't know. I haven't kept up with them for a very long time. I think he actually joined the band like five years ago. So like they're like professional and personal collaboration of kind of like, you know, m- merged together. Um, but like, this is the first time they collaborated and there's just some amazing stuff that really sets yeah. the tone that makes things seem cooler or more dangerous. There's a spectacular sequence of the Winklevosses flaming out coming in second place. Um, which, you know, no one gives a shit about. That's the whole point of it set to, uh, I think it's the King, on the mountain um, it's this fairly famous uh, piece of um, uh, orchestral work but it's all like nine inch nailified and grungy and digital mm. and it's it really sets up their their defeat in court um, and yeah it's like something that I have, I've never really heard before um, and I didn't really remember thinking so much about it the first time but like now that I've been a lot more familiar with their collaborations 
it's unmistakable their fingerprint on the soundtrack yeah it's 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 of the era too where nine inch nails just was kind of doing the nine inch nails thing um or Trent Reznor was doing the nine inch nails thing on the screen where like a lot of those like even the themes where he's got just like a piano going is recognizably nine inch nails like something you hear off the fragile um and in recent years he's gone more toward like you know he's always been electronica but like that industrial kind of stuff in in recent years he's gone more of like the inception route with with boas and mm-hmm. and stuff like that and it's it has a different flavor but this is like in that transitional period where man you can hear the nine inch nails in this for sure oh yeah the bass lines especially uh there's a there's a club scene in particular which like i didn't the the the, the tv set turned up all particularly loud but it was like shaking my living room yeah, uh, I think it was it was like Justin Timberlake's first meeting with uh-huh. him um, where he's yeah, or maybe it's I can't remember because there's a whole bunch of um, epic meetings between him and, and Sean. Is it Parker? Is that the guy that did? Yeah, Napster. It's the club um, scene. You know it. If you've seen the movie. Yeah, you know yeah, yeah, yeah. Before we move on to the next point, let's take a quick break. OK, Jim, choose your own adventure. Do you want to talk about Mark Zuckerberg? Do you want to talk about the Internet Silicon Valley culture? Uh, where where do you want to choose? What, what fork? Talk about Zuck, I guess. So let's All Zuck right. on it for a while. Okay. Uh, what does what what are this movie's portrayal of Zuckerberg? I'll start. He is a man with like a brain on fire. He can barely focus on anything in front of him except for the thing whatever is consuming the majority of his focus, and mm-hmm. he kind of follows that to the exclusion of all else. Um, Crazy exclusion. Yeah. Like seemingly not caring about the details of a legal proceeding. That is very much the future of his company Um, being flip and lipping off to people who could get him expelled from school or could get him destroyed in court. Um, You know, like the two, like I, and, and, that is, I guess, a little bit bound up in Silicon Valley culture because it's all about moving fast and breaking things and not hmm. caring yeah. about the consequences. You know, like when he and again, this is, seems like it's the fictionalized part, but like when his girlfriend uh, breaks up with him in the beginning of the movie, that like all he thinks about is like, what can I do to make myself feel better and get even? And I don't care that, you know, this woman is a bitch. And she's wears B cut bras is going to be on the internet forever and ever and ever. I just care about feeling better about myself right now. And I thought that was, I, I, I kept on thinking about dead eyed Mark Zuckerberg in front of senators and representatives being grilled on how his platform affects elections and how it destabilizes countries across the globe and how it's addictive yeah. and all this other stuff. And that's like the you know like this was kid stuff is like wrecking his personal relationships like he's gone on to you know dominate the world and i i thought that was all very interesting yeah um it's yeah it's fine when it's it's the kid stuff but uh i get the sense very much that there needs to be a sequel to this movie or that there needs to be or this movie was made too early maybe or it's like a milestone movie where there are several more tales that need to be told because of how far, you know, off the rails, this whole thing has gone. But yeah, he comes across as a guy who doesn't really care about the consequences of his actions. 
he's simply driven by the need to do things. Um, do you think it's like he doesn't care about the consequences or like sometimes I think the Silicon Valley bros just literally don't think there are such things as consequences like beyond like me getting fucked or me fucking somebody or me getting paid and me not getting paid. The idea that like your activities, you know, competing with other people um, and connecting other people could you know, destabilize governments and harm people's psychological well-being and uh, things of that nature. I, I don't know that they, they, it's that not that they care about it. It's just like it doesn't even enter their equation. Like, yeah, it's like, like a target Zucker- fixation kind of thing. Yeah. Where yeah, the, the you, thing you, you care about that- isn't going to be affected. And so nothing will be affected. Right. You tell a 19 year old that like what you're about to do by hooking up college students um, to each other and allowing them to see their personal lives and business and share information with each other is going to somehow like destabilize things in the Middle East and in the South Pacific. And it's going to have detrimental uh, effects on the country that you live in. Like that does like I I mean, honestly, like I think if like if if a fortune teller was to foretell all that to Mark Zuckerberg circa 2001, he'd be like, yeah, whatever, because how could that possibly come sure. to to be? It sounds ridiculous. Um, it does. Yeah. And I, I also think like that that's the one question I, I had is like, is the idea of Facebook just doomed? Is it bad from the start? Um, is it something that like we just haven't figured out how to deal with as a society? Um, was it, was it the, the idea of Facebook fine, but the second that you added, um, you know, Facebook famously hired psychologists to make the cycle of using the product, the, the application addictive, mm-hmm. like the, the, like, like, um, uh, the, the stimulate people's dopamine sensors to kind of make them almost physically and psychologically dependent on the site. Is th- that what made it all fucko or is the concept itself like connecting people? Um, and sharing information is is that like a bad idea <laughs> i don't think that's a bad idea i mean it's something like uh, the movie doesn't really dwell on it but i think it makes a point that like he's just giving people something that they want uh anyway yeah and he's doing that online and i think like the ways in which it's probably bad for that whole like social feedback loop is that it 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 takes that and one step removes it from seeing someone face to face right like they, they make a point. There's a line in there where like, oh, he's lying to our faces. And then somebody chimes up, chimes in and says, well, he he never actually lied to us face to face. It was emails. And the guy's like, all right, well, he lied to our emails. Well, it's so much easier mm. to lie to an email address than it is to lie to someone's face. Right. And I think that's where things get murky. And, and you can start to question, is this a bad idea? If we didn't have this option available, would some of our more, uh, you know, in-person social interactions uh be healthier than they are right would we would we have those forums in quote-unquote real life as opposed to online yeah i don't because i keep on it, it, it seems like the, the the closest analogy to what we got going on in social media is the society struggle with the yellow journalism and i made this comparison a few times um, but basically, you know, the concept of yellow journalism is the idea that like people believed everything was printed in newspapers because newspapers were traditionally, you know, like in, in, you know, obsessed with printing the news and keeping citizenry informed. And it became, uh, 
it, it, it got, you know, successively wealthy people bought the, the the newspapers and decided, you know what, we can actually manipulate people's perception of facts by, you know, and, and the fact that they believe everything in the newspaper by, you know, uh, printing lies and omissions mm-hmm. and shaping politics that way. Um, the thing is, is like I've, I've been doing a lot of reading. I'm not exactly sure 100 percent how this fucking stopped. I know that there was some muckraking journalist that like exposed all this stuff. But like, why did they get traction? Because, yeah. you know, we had this period of like 100 years where we just assumed that if someone had a large platform, they got vetted somehow. Like like the village idiot would never be able to get on CBS and interviewed with Walter Cronkite because at several different levels, they would have revealed themselves to be the village idiot. And they're like, well, we're not going to platform anymore because you're ridiculous. Nowadays, all you need is another uh, like 100,000 village idiots across the world to think that you're good and to like you and to signal boost you. And suddenly you are in the halls of Congress. You have a a, a, a television show, a, a news show with a budget. You're the most watched, you know, cable news thing on. Yeah. And and like it seems like a very similar yellow journalism problem. But like, I'm not 100 percent sure how they stopped it in the first place. And like, I don't if think it was they just did, right. That that's the thing. Like it, it's just moved to other venues. It's it was in radio, mm. right, with the talk radio, the, the AM radio hosts, whatever. Uh, just spouting whatever shit they wanted somehow became trusted uh, the television like news programs are no longer news programs. They're essentially editorial opinion pieces, uh, you know, disguised as news. It I don't think it ever stopped. I think it's now just getting to the point where. The power to be an influencer um, has gotten into the hands of individuals to the point mm. where. This has become such a problem um, and such an obvious thing that we have no idea how to crack down on it because there are no institutions anymore, right? Like the institutions want their hands off of it and just say, well, these are these are people acting of of their own accord, not the institution doing anything. Yeah, because like I that's one of the things I've came away with my research in yellow journalism. It just seemed like the powers that be the gatekeepers just decided to like, okay, well, if people want to write tabloid shit. They'll write tabloid shit, but we'll have a clear demarcation. People will just learn that like, OK, there's the National Enquirer and yes, they're a newspaper and they have a wide circulation. But like they talk about Bat Boy and shit like that. It's not, right. you know, and then you got the New York Times and the Wall Street, the Wall Street Journalist Journal and the Economist and they're serious outlets. Mm-hmm. And the Internet has kind of like flipped over the table and we all those classifications have broken down because you've got. You know, like this, like the, the ten, 10 year, 10 years ago, they were talking about, you know, places like Slate and stuff as like people in their pajamas writing news, you know. But clearly there's a difference between people that are in their pajamas in their basement writing, taking serious approach to news and people in their basement in their pajamas, you know, trying to incite revolutions and things like I, but But we don't I don't know. I don't know. That's what I'm saying. I don't know what happened in the turn of the 20th century that like got us that be able to like de- de- detect the difference between a newspaper and a fish rag. Mm-hmm. And like we've lost that ability now. And I, I think it might be because there are no gatekeepers for this. There's yeah. literally not like you don't need money to have a YouTube, Facebook and Twitter account. You don't. Right. And the downside of that, of course, now in 2021 is people are realizing that once those companies decide, you know what, 
we've ex- we've um, pursued a free speech based approach because that's what sold. And now it's biting us in the ass. So, like, we're just going to unilaterally decide what is not acceptable content. And now people are crying fair because the thing that's always been the case, the people that have the power of the press can decide who you know, has that kind of money can decide who can say what on what. Like, they're just reasserting that. And people like had 10 years of laissez faire and they're saying this is bullshit. Um, yeah, but I don't. I mean, because before you needed the money to be able to do that, right? right? Like you needed somebody to fund you to do a news report that would take you three months of research. Because if you didn't have that, you were going to go broke trying to research it. Um, yeah. And then where are you going to publish it? Because you need money to print newspapers. You need money to broadcast on television. Well, it turns out you don't need anything to do this internet yeah. thing. So, but yeah. that's the thing is like you, you kind of do because there's been so many. Um, that's one of the other key learnings of the internet nowadays is like one or two layers behind it's all Amazon and Google. Like, yeah, you can run a free speech alternative to Twitter, but if you're running on Amazon's, you know, cloud computing and they get wind of it and they decide they don't like it, they can just kick you off. And then what are you going to do? You're going to go to Google's farm. And if Google kicks you off, then what are you going to do? Like, you're kind of like this digital beggar. Like I've got all this content that I want to share, but I don't have any of the platforms and sources and only there's like three outlets in the entire universe that'll that 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 have the bandwidth and the the functionality because you know when i my first website literally ran on my desktop through my cable modem Mm -hmm. you know like it was so much more decentralized than it is now um oh yeah i don't maybe that's how it's it's solved the powers that be just decide to throw up the firewalls again and like good luck hosting your nazi rally on some underfunded box in in the pacific rim like yeah you can run this box out of singapore where's the incentive for them to do that right like the incentive is going to come from regulation the incentive would come from uh, you know uh the the public opinion turning on them for various reasons because yeah they make their money by having the volume right of of people posting things so I will say it's not a very satisfying answer to like, how do we get ourselves out of this? That the, you know, that the the same three companies that got us into it just decide to like, well, they're going to unilaterally decide what is and isn't allowed on there. Like, I think they have that right, but it sure isn't like, it'd be better if like we as a people came together and, you know, supported politicians that had smart ideas on how to regulate it and all that kind of stuff. And like we could, but it's like, it, feels very unsatisfying to like again the bill the the billions of dollars that got us in this situation are just going to put their heads together and just decide they're just going to decide it they're going to decide what's true and what's false and that's it that's it especially when their modus operandi here is move fast and break things right um still because when they're playing with you know like let's use uber or something when they're playing with a broken taxi system where it's a million dollars a medallion and nobody makes money except the People who are at the very top of that, like, that's one thing. When they're playing with democracy and moving fast and breaking things, people's real ass lives are in jeopardy here. Um, Sure. You know, there are big consequences for these. And that's where I sort of get to the questions about this movie um, along the lines of there's there's something in there where they talk about, like, the adults essentially like taking the kids toys away um or or like i get this vibe coming out of this movie where you see the winklevosses and them interacting with princes and whatever at the rowing clubs um Mm -hmm. that that is like the old money that those are the quote-unquote adults 
And then you see Mark Zuckerberg and his uh, cadre being the kids, right? And the kids have these Mm -hmm. very valuable, um, obviously valuable toys that they're playing with irresponsibly. And the adults are coming in and saying, you you kids are going to break these things. We we were we're going to take those toys away from you. But are they taking the toys because they're valuable toys that might get broken? Or are they taking the toys because they want them for themselves because they're very valuable? Like there's there's a lot of questions I have around like and we see this playing out right now, you know, with the the free speech stuff and the censorship stuff. Like what if that is really true? What what if that you know, people stepping in and saying, okay, well, we need to do something about this is because the adults are trying to take the toys from the kids. And what of that is just like, this is the responsible thing to do for the good Mm -hmm. of people. You know, it's hard to tell the difference sometimes. And who gets to decide that the adults. Another thing I found. So it's so interesting because you can go and find contemporary discussions of this movie on Reddit because Reddit's been around for 10 years Mm -hmm. and you can find like the 10 year retrospective. And what I found was interesting is there's a lot of conversations where people are like, um, because, again, I think the, I don't think Zuckerberg came for money. I could be wrong on that because, you know, but but like a lot of people were saying, oh, the Winklevosses got rich or they got they got money by suing Mark Zuckerberg and then they invested that into uh, Bitcoin and then they became wealthy. Like if you came away from this film thinking the Winklevosses weren't already elite and wealthy, I don't know what the fuck to tell you. Yeah. They've been training for, you know, rowing at an elite university, like an, an elite Ivy League university since they were 15 years old. Their parents had connections that got them in an office meeting with the president of Harvard. Mm-hmm. Um, there is some truth to the wink to to what uh, Mark Zuckerberg says in this film about he's not getting sued because he screwed them out of like business, you know, a deal. He's getting screwed because for the first time in their life, the world told them that something's not going to happen the way it was supposed to for them. Um, and the same thing about, uh, James Garfield's character, uh, same deal. Like people said, oh, he got rich off of fate. No, he, these people already, like he was another one that came from like generational wealth. Um, but on the other hand, like, does it not matter? Can you just rob and steal from a wealthy person with impunity? I mean, there's plenty sure. of people probably even listen to this podcast, but yes, of course. Yes. That's, that's Robin hood. Hello. <laughs> right. But like, I don't know. I don't, I, I, I don't know. And again, is is it up to the adults to come in the room and tell us to stop playing with the valuable toys? Um, right. Especially when the only reason they want to do, do that is because those toys are valuable and they want they want the valuable toys for themselves. Like, yeah, yeah. The, the movie has this other thesis that they establish early on with the the um, the Mara uh, interaction with um, Eisenberg here. Um well, you're going to be a very successful computer person. You're going to go through life thinking that people don't like you because you're a nerd, but it's because you're an asshole. Yeah. Which I think is a strong through line through the movie, but then the movie undercuts itself in the late in the third act by having Rashida Jones come up and be like, you know what, Mark, I don't think you're an asshole. You just work really hard to make people think you are. And I remember like I was watching that and I was taking my notes and it kind of like hit me like a thunderbolt. Like what the fuck is this? Mm-hmm. Was this them just trying for Mike or Mark Zuckerberg not to sue them or because it seems like that's a right like that's that's maybe a right on observation about like Zuckerberg has got this chip on his shoulder and he thinks that people hate him because he's a nerd. And that's what pe- people just don't like nerds. But honestly, 
you know, you fuck over your friends, you do this and that. And you refer, you refer to that as a speeding ticket, by the way, mm-hmm. like violating friendships and, and going back on your word and going and doing underhanded shit to cut your buddies out of, you know, what they may or may not be entitled to. Let's refer to as a speeding ticket. I, I don't know that I, I that was one false note. A very few that I found in the movie. What did you think? Make of that? Well, I mean, crucially, she doesn't know him very well at all. Right. Right. Um, they just met in right. the deposition room. Right. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think like this is sort of a false evaluation of the character as portrayed in this film. But it, I, I yeah, I'm with you. I don't know why they included it, because in my mind, it doesn't do much to sympathize uh, that character. And and if they were going to try and do something, they needed someone who knew him better to come in and say, well, yeah, you're not an asshole, but you're acting like one right now. Because the rest of the movie is uh, saying he's an asshole. Um, there are moments yeah. where I, I question it because like Eduardo. Occasionally jumps to conclusions about Mark's actions, and I don't think the movie ever like puts to bed the questions about like whether Mark planted the story about the chicken. Um, oh, yeah, you're you know, right. Whether Mark was the guy who wanted to screw him out of his shares of Facebook or whether it was Sean Parker like pushing and pushing on Mark to make him do it um, because they clearly had some beef, right? Uh, I don't think the movie ever puts a definitive stamp on that and says this is what we think about that particular aspect and whether he's the asshole here. And so I think there is a little bit of wiggle room to think, okay, well, maybe Mark's not the bad guy that the beginning, the very beginning, the Erica part of the movie makes him look like he is. I do think after I've read everything that I've read so far, and I've seen a couple other documentaries on on uh, Facebook, um, and I've read quite a bit over the last few years, that it's probably true that Eduardo did not have what it took to like his idea of of, of um, yeah. raising money by getting advertising when they had a thing that like the I mean we've seen this before in podcasting, right? Like the 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 one of the reasons it took so long for podcasting advertising to take off is because all the old people you're pitching, um the advertising podcast don't listen to it, you know, mm-hmm. or something their grandkids listen to. And they take that as less serious. Uh, his approach of like going hat in hand and begging people in New York to advertise on Facebook was, I think <laughs> much less successful than Mr. Napster going to a bunch of angel investors and getting a billion dollars of, of investment capital or 500,000 or mil, however much it was yeah. like it's, entirely possible that like Mark Zuckerberg but like the thing is is Mark couldn't have done it by himself either like mm-hmm. he hired a whole bunch of developers underneath him and he's the kind of one that got the ball rolling but he in his mind is entitled to always 51% of Facebook whereas the other guy who maybe didn't have quite what it took but he was there at the beginning and he got the ball rolling he didn't have what it took to get it all the way to greatness he devalued you know the fact that like I don't know like it's probably objective fact that without um uh, Eduardo's personal investment of like what $20,000 into the company and buying the servers and the laptops and all that stuff that like Facebook would just be an idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, you know, and he did probably end up writing it for the Winklevosses and making them rich instead of himself. So like both things are true, but like, I think I, I cannot conscious any decision that at the end of the day gives our Eduardo 0.03% of Facebook. Right. 
like sure. that seems like a just a, a blatant betrayal of whatever friendship brotherhood that they had and it's a very effective scene when they're in the deposition and the eduardo's lawyer is reading out you know the shares and the dilution percentage right um you know marx wasn't diluted sean parker's wasn't diluted uh you know peter Thiel's percentages like all these ca- these investors weren't diluted it was only eduardo that got his shares diluted it seems right. extremely personal Right. And that's why he won like he ended up with five percent of Facebook because the courts looked at that and like, well, this is clearly bullshit. You can't like yeah. this is I mean, it's not regardless of what illegal. It's it's yeah. literally illegal to do stuff like that. There's laws against it to keep stuff like this from happening, because otherwise, why the fuck would you ever be a minority share investor? Why would you ever sure. do that if, if they can just, va- you know, just devalue your shares at will? It's insane. So like. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of commentary I wrote, even like Lawrence Lessig was like, you know, thumping his Bible about how this is just a tax on innovation. The Winklevoss is 65 million was that's an affront that you have to pay for this. And this other guy getting 5% was, you know, an outrage and all that. I'm like, eh, I don't know, because, you know, they Zuckerberg got in business with this guy for 30% of the company Mm -hmm. with his eyes wide open. So like shit you know getting 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 off paying him off five percent seems like he was still hit and that's the whole point you know zuck started with this guy owning 30 percent. he ended with this guy uh and he, he tried to cut him down to 0.03 he ended up owning five percent guess who won that exchange it's a speeding ticket right yeah. it's back to being the so yeah and i get the impression like you said something earlier where it seemed like mark doesn't care about anything except what he's focused on and that this he didn't even care about these trials, but I, that could have been, you know, a thing that brought down his company or whatever. I don't think that was ever in question. I don't, I don't think like the existence of Facebook was ever threatened by any of these lawsuits. In my mind, Mm -hmm. this was a speeding ticket. This was like, well, you just got to pay these guys and then get back to your business. Cause that's, you know, this, this is not really going to affect him. It's like, well, he's not paying attention because it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. Right. I wonder how much there is true that the because the Winklevosses had this interesting dynamic of like, oh, this isn't cricket, chum. We don't take each other to courts, and we don't, yeah. uh, we don't, we don't bandy crooked words and the, and, the, and and the pages of the crimson. You know, like we we like how much of that is true, and how much of that bullshit costs them even more money, because it does seem like if they had come and brought the full weight of the Winklevoss legal empire against uh, Zuck when he had $19,000 in the account, they probably would have beat his ass. Yeah, but what do they get? Right. It's it's almost better for them to wait until he creates this huge thing and then come in and make the claim than to take 100% of his $19,000, right? Well, I mean, I guess that the question is, what would the Harvard Connect have become? Would they have had the sure. insight and skill to parlay that into, um, you know, multi or were, were they so up their own ass that they thought, oh, this will this is only for, you know, elite Ivy League people to essentially digitize the the handshake and the wink that we've got going on here. I don't know, yeah. because if they had strangled it in the crib and then gone on to make the Harvard Connect that then became Harco that everybody's on and has 2.8 billion users, you know, like I, I don't fuck sure. That's the thing is like, who the fuck knows? It's all an alternate history conversation. Um, and the dialogue in this movie is so good. There are a couple mm. of moments. Um, 
you know, where they're bickering during the de- depositions where the Winklevoss are sitting there and they're like, I can't wait to stand over your shoulder as you write me a check. And Mark's like, yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. I did all the work. Implying, look, I did all right. the fucking work here. You're just going to tag along. Uh, you're just going to ride my coattails. Yeah, it, the dialogue is great. And Sorkin, obviously a master of dialogue. Yeah, and I guess Eduardo, um, he had ties to South America. And the, like the, he always intimated that he like had ties to like the mafia or like the, 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 the I don't know what the hell, the drug people down there. Huh. and like Zuckerberg had like a not unfounded fear of like getting beat beat up and I guess that got transferred in the script of Winklevosses with the line you know when they're like fuck trying to get le- you know legal remedies let's just go beat him up like I'm six foot five 220 pounds and there's two of me yeah what a great line <laughs> that's a great line but apparently yeah like that like all that heavy stuff was the, them trying to bring in like the little physical fear but I don't feel like it ever was a credible threat so it's like but it's it yeah. is a sick line from the Winklevoss twins mm-hmm. um because yeah they just, they just go dumpster this nerd but give him a couple swirlies and yeah now what you know um put that on your masthead zuckerberg yeah it doesn't strike me as a guy who would be intimidated by that um you know he'd get beat up and then he'd go right back to doing what he's doing because he's just driven by it right probably what did you make of the i'm the ceo bitch business cards like that was an interesting scene. Well, they I, make I think... it a point to show, at least in this movie, that the character portrayed here, Mark Zuckerberg, is driven a lot by ego. Just a ton of this drive is ego. Like him not wanting to look inferior to other people, him wanting to have the last, the last word in an argument. Um, he's got something to prove. And that drives him forward. And this I'm CEO bitch is kind of part of that. But yeah, but there's a sour note at the end, right? Because like when he's looking at that card, his his business uh, partner here, Sean Parker, has just been arrested for giving drugs to underage kids like. Right. He's looking at that card, not thinking, oh, yeah, this is the life. He's looking at that card thinking, what is this going to cost me? Yeah. Simultaneously, he screwed over his best friend and the, his new business advisor just got busted in some kind of crazy ass, mm-hmm. you know, drug underage party. It is it is like a bitter like he fought so hard to get this and like what you know, it's it's what is it worth? You know, he's lost his rosebud, yeah. but he's got these business cards that say he's a CEO bitch. And like, what even is that? Or, you know, like there's Silicon Valley culture, man, like the gleeful, like it's like they, there's a, the gleeful performative tearing down of structure and hierarchy and like what I'm a code juggler. I'm not a, you know, and versus like this very old school, like almost robber baron look at capitalism. Yeah, it's like I, I don't there's 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 something interesting there, too. Um but I don't know. It's like because I'm very cynical at this point. Like I grew up um, thinking all that stuff was really cool, and like I wonder how many people of my age got swindled out of lots of money because they could throw the fact that they're a code monkey on their business card, and everybody thought it was cool that they could go barefoot in in in, in the ratty, smelly T-shirts and and you know have stacks of beer bottles on their ping pong table, but they're getting paid below market because it's cool. 
you know, we got the Silicon Valley ethos going on here. It's like, I, I don't know. I, yeah. I had a couple. There's a couple of places in Indianapolis, of all places, trying to push that stuff in the late 90s, early 2000s. And I always I always felt like it was a scam. It's like you guys are getting you, you guys are working for peanuts, but you get to code in a beanbag chair mm-hmm. like holy shit, I'll go to work and, and automate spreadsheets and like play bean and, and, and work 40 hours a week and play video games in my beanbag chair. I feel like I'm, I'm beating your guys' ass, but I don't know. I guess if they, they strike the right thing rich and get that startup thing going. Yeah, there's a little bit of a gambling mentality to it. I don't, I don't think no. like, like some of the younger generations of like Wall Street people are not too different from the Silicon Valley kind of ethos. Yeah. Um, what do you think of the performances in this? Because I'm kind of up and down on Eisenhorn. That's, that's his name. Eisenberg, Jesse Eisenberg. Eisen- yeah. Eisenberg, thank you. Eisenhorn is, I think, You're a up and down on him? character character. In this movie or in his career? No, in, in his career overall. Okay. Like, he's had okay. some like, stuff I've really liked. He's had some stuff I'm kind of uh, ambivalent about. He does kind of be, like, plays a certain, you know, part, a certain character. I think he is pretty amazing in here. Yes. And James Garfield is like a standout. Yeah. Like I couldn't like, like um, he effortlessly plays this kind of like, you know, beta party boy. But like when he's really getting fucked over by his buddy in the uh, deposition room, I felt that mm-hmm. like the, the betrayal, the, the, the idea that like Zuckerberg is like going all these low blows at him. And uh, I thought he, he really connected to the material in a way that impressed me. That scene where, you know, he gets, he realizes that he's getting screwed over, right? He got called out to California just to get screwed out of his shares. Right, uh, right. You know, and he storms into the, the work area there, the open office, uh-huh. and nearly decks Sean Parker. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think that's a fantastic scene. And, and James Garfield is amazing in this. It, just as Jesse Eisenberg, it's an understated character. Like, Mark Zuckerberg doesn't have the passion and the, the fire that... Uh, <laughs> You know, James Garfield is allowed to show um, mm-hmm. in Eduardo, but he's just as good. Hmm. Do you well, I want to um, raise another figure, uh, Justin Timberlake. Mm-hmm. I like Justin Timberlake. I think he's very funny and he's clearly musically talented. There's a little bit of a referendum on Justin Timberlake going on right now. Vis-a-vis looking back at his interactions with Janet Jackson, Britney Spears. Mm-hmm. All that aside, because I know you don't pay attention to any of that kind of discourse. What did you think of JT's performance in this movie? I really like him in, in actually in basically everything I've seen him in. Um, okay. I, I saw him in this. I saw him in, what is it called? In time or something. That sci-fi mm-hmm. thing where you mm-hmm. add time to your life. Um, yeah. I, I don't think I've seen a performance of his that I disliked. I thought he was shaky in this on uh, hmm. on retrospect, like and kind of unconvincing. Um, really? Huh? He's no. OK, he's really good at playing Sean Parker, the BS artist, the Silicon Valley mm-hmm. corporate raider. He's not very good at playing the other kind of like awkward, emotional stuff, uh, vulnerable to vulnerable stuff. Maybe that's because like it's easier for him to tap into being confident and young and cocky and rich. And like, that's essentially he's playing a fictionalized version of himself. But like when it came time to like, Oh God, I'm in the room and I've ruined these guys friendships. And how do I feel about that? Like there was nothing there, but okay. I don't know how much of yeah. that is like me also being kind of like plugged into how people are thinking about him discussing and 
So you you and, still think uh well 95% of what he's asked to do in this movie is the Justin Timberlake that just knocks it out of the park. <laughs> knocks it right, out of the, the park. Yeah. The shot the the shotathon stuff I thought was yeah, he excelled at. Oh, yeah. he's fantastic at it. And and that's the bulk of what he's got to do. So I guess I didn't but notice the, the other parts, but you might be right now that I'm thinking about I it. I want to I want to talk about the shotathon because I think that's also a very interesting core that I didn't see a lot of people talking about the rot that's in Silicon Valley, this disease of war. Um, you know, it's like, you know, what's cooler than a million dollars, a billion dollars. And this guy like saying like what, um, Eduardo was doing, he's like, Oh yeah, that might work, but you might as well fund. You might as well have founded a successful chain of yogurt stands. Mm -hmm. And like, is that bad? And the one kind of like parable he told about the person who invented Victoria's Secrets and, you know, parlayed it to three or four stores, sold it for four million dollars and then killed himself three years later when it was worth five hundred billion. Well. That's crazy. Yeah. This man had secured his financial future and his entire family's financial future and could have got out and done whatever the fuck he wanted to. But he killed himself because what could he have done with four million that he couldn't done with five hundred million, except for, I guess, not throw himself off the Golden Gate fucking bridge. Like yeah. this is the the craziness, right? And we're that, that is it, to 10 years later, we're at a point where you can, you can't even utter the line. uh you know, a million dollars is not cool. What's cool is a billion dollars because that's mm. a joke at this point. It's a literal joke in Silicon Valley. Right. The show, the three comma club is something that is joked about. Right. right. We're at the point where you have to say a billion dollars isn't cool. You know what's cool? A trillion dollars. Like, yeah, that's where we're at. It's, act- it is a disease of more. There's an active race amongst like 20, 30 people on this planet to be the first capital T trillionaire. Absolutely. They, they, they have, they have to be talking about it behind the scenes. There's no fucking way. These people are not talking about who's going to be the first. I think it's already happened, hasn't it? No, we don't have a trillionaire yet. One one point something trillion. Well, but no one person in this planet is worth a trillion dollars. I guess. Yeah. yeah, Like, yeah, yeah. You got, you got companies value, but no, not a single person can grab their, can, can write that many. You don't, the four, what would that be? The four comma club. Uh, sure. Yeah still still has no no membership but like i i just thought there was something interesting about that and yeah, he's got like happy some with success having to have more success than everybody else but some of the ways he looked at things like uh you know eduardo tries to like throw some put the brakes on the crazy train at this shanathon meeting mm-hmm. and he's like yeah i i i broke the record labels and i blah blah and he's like yeah yeah but but wait 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 you lost all those lawsuits they won and his reply of like, oh, well, if you think they won, go try to are you interested in buying a tower records right now? No, but I'm interested in in getting it on the ground floor of Spotify. I'm interested in yeah. the iTunes music iTunes. store. I'm interested in buying a fucking record label, which is more profitable than it's ever been. Like, I know that's, that's, the, that's the thing the about thing, this. This the idea that record labels were on the ropes 10 years ago and Sean Parker put him there right. is such a joke at this point. Yeah. Because they just, yeah, it's like, it was, oh, a, it was thank, a speeding ticket for them. Yeah, is what it was. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you for we didn't know how to navigate this interesting digital divide. You showed us the way, uh-huh. Sean. You showed us that people will, you know, and like if uh, the, the people have this enormous appetite for digital music and they don't give a shit that they don't have physical things. And for a dollar, they'll, pay, they'll pay exactly gla- they'll pay the same gladly. amount that they did for an album 
for a Except digital we don't file. have to physically ship anything. Right? Thank you so much, Sean. Thank you so much. And people will people will cheer us, cheer us for all the decisions. Oh, thank you, Apple, for giving us the high quality versions of stuff. Right. And for le- like it's it's uh it's insane. And then um, but like they did a really good job of showing how Zuckerberg was just enraptured by this guy hook line and sinker on the one hand he had a buddy that's saying hey we got to do the hard stuff we got to build a business model we got to uh earn advertising we gotta start paying these bills man and the other hand you had a guy that just breezes in it's like hey you know you gotta you you, you, what do you got now you got a party and what are you gonna do tell people it's over at 11 o'clock now you just gotta you just gotta keep growing who gives a shit about anything else it'll all be figured out and oh drop the v off the facebook and it's almost a parody at this point to see Zuck like uh, uh, Eisenberg like play that. Holy shit. Like, oh, my God, he's blew my mind. We got, mm-hmm. you know, the Facebook Facebook. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I yeah, JT was really good at that. But it also just again and there, at the end where he's like, you know, snorting drugs off a of 15 year old's belly or what, whatever the fuck it is. Um and he's like just raving, just just this almost lunatic stuff. Like we used to live on farms, man, and then we lived on cities, and now we're gonna live on the internet. It's like, well, yeah, but like, first of all, that's some pretty shallow historical analysis. And B, uh, it starts at us living on farms, and like, what is the broad historical analysis of like us being better off in one living environment or another? He doesn't give a shit. Sure. Yeah. He's just trying to, you know, profit on where the next piece of real estate is going to be. Um, yeah. Fascinating I, stuff. I don't want it to sound like I'm shitting on this too much because I subscribe to a, a lot, actually, of the ideas that are being, uh, you know, per, portrayed or put forward here. Like, mm-hmm. not necessarily the the part about it being cool, like, oh, it's a million dollars is not cool, a billion dollars is. I don't give a shit about that. But like the idea of growing something without trying to monetize it at the beginning makes a lot of sense to me because as somebody who hates advertising pretty much across the board, as somebody who, you know, wants to engage with something that is clean, that does exactly what it says it's going to do, uh, that's kind of the, the era of Facebook you were looking at there, right? And saying, okay, mm-hmm. well, you don't want to muck this up with a whole bunch of bullshit to try and find some small ball advertising revenue. You, you need to let this thing grow organically and then you can figure out what to do with it. Once you know what it is, I, I think that's all great. Um, that is certainly from, something that, that definitely influenced us too. Like, you know, when absolutely. we were in any kind of phase of rapid growth, like, like don't worry over much about monetizing it, you know, like make it cause you don't want to, you know, it's it's better to grow than to monetize. Now, if you stop growing, then you just start looking at ways to maximize monetization. But yeah, like that's yeah, yeah. that was a, a pretty incredible insight that like until you know what you've got and if you're having a hard time, you know, would you rather sell a couple of ads for a yogurt stand or would you rather just and, and, and turn people off like, oh, God, what is all these yogurt ads all over my experience? Or would you rather just grow unfettered until you get something that's so big? So, I mean, that's the thing about Facebook. Uh, they were celebrating their 500 millionth user in like, I don't know, 52 countries at the end of this movie. I looked it up. How many users do you think Facebook has globally in 2021? My guess is 2 billion. 2.8 billion. <laughs> Roughly one out of every three people sucking oxygen closer to one and out of two on this planet 
is a Facebook user. Hmm. And and quite literally, the value of that is incalculable. Yeah. Like there's a number on a stock market and all that kind of stuff. But what that is worth and the power that it's that provides, that's that's why there's the congressional hearings, right? Because this is arguably uh, a nation state larger than anything that's ever been cons- constructed before in, in the world. And it's all in private hands. Um, yep. It's it's pretty, pretty amazing. Uh, but that's why people and, get so fired up, right? It's 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 ideas sure. like that. It's it's and everybody who sees this movie, I think, in 2010 comes out of it thinking, man, I want to go do that. I want to go do something right. It's not necessarily I want to make Facebook, but I want to make something happen. Um, Agreed. Yeah, because that part of it is the inspirational part. It's the part where you're being an asshole and backstabbing your friends and potentially ruining democracy. <laughs> that is not quite as inspirational. What do you think of uh, Eduardo freezing the accounts uh, as, as in terms of plays go? Eduardo loses me a couple of times during this movie. That's one of them. Um, but what do you do? Like he's on a train that's out of control, right? It's it, the, yeah. the there is no break on this train. Mark Zuckerberg right. is just fueling. He's he's like back to the future three. He's putting in the red log, right? And he's going to take this thing right over the edge. Eduardo doesn't know what to do. I think like he's at the end of his rope and this is the only thing he can think to do. So I get it. But also yeah. I think it was dumb. Um, But I, yeah, it's like it's one of those like I was just trying to get your attention. Um, It makes sense because, yeah, like. Uh, the one thing you can do is show you still do need me, you son of a bitch. Yeah, yeah. Sean Parker might be getting you meetings, but I'm the one that's getting you paid. I'm the one that's paying the bills on this. I'm the one that's paying the bandwidth on the server, yeah. and I can fuck you just the way you're fucking me. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure what the the best the best way to make that play. Again, keeping in mind all these guys are in the early twenties. Like right. this is some like fucking weird. Like I, I, I always love to remember the fact that like. These guys who architect this modern society is were ex- extraordinarily young. And it reminds me, I, I guess it's kind of like analogous to the American Revolution, because that's the other thing is like we think of these founding fathers as the old dude and the powdered wigs on our money. But they were yeah. all in their like mid 20s, the early 30s doing for the, the majority of them. There's a couple old guys, but most of them were just like these young dudes, man. Mm-hmm. Like they didn't know what the fuck they were doing neither did these guys, but like we give all of this, like 250 plus years on to the experience. We give all of this importance and, and this, this veneer of correctness because, and I think the same thing's happening to the Silicon Valley dudes because it's like, well, they did this and they were smart and who are we to question them? Because look at the, the success, you know, speaks for itself. Yeah. Uh, I do get the impression that at any time, had Eduardo actually backed out of this thing and said, well, the funding is cut off. How are you going to pay for your servers? I mean, when you're at however many millions of users or whatever um, that Facebook had at that point, you go to what to your parents and say, Hey mom, dad, look, I got this fucking thing here and it's huge. I need 20 grand to keep it going. And they write that check immediately. Right. Does Mark? That's the thing. Does Mark Zuckerberg have the? the I didn't. I didn't know if his parents actually came from wealth. Um, I should have looked that up because that's like one of my favorite things to do. Yeah, is look at who. Their like I guess if they are. legit don't have twenty grand, uh, but then you take out a loan. I, I don't know. Like any bank looks at the. Looks okay, at so he's thing. got his 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 mother's a, a psychiatrist who practiced in New York City, and his father's a dentist. Sure, I'm not they saying have 20 grand. Zuckerberg. 
He's not Winkle. He's not Winkle Voss no, rich, no. but he's like, yeah, they can probably fund you for a month or two. To, to yeah, I, I I think that that's the thing. Like once he moved to California, yeah. and had it into the startup and got to like six figures and users. He, there's the, the the time to flex and be like, hey, no, 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 we're in the same business. But on the other hand, I also like the movie kind of paints. It does this. It does this um, switcheroo because they show Eduardo is like, oh, I'm going to stay here on my, you know, uh, internship and with my girlfriend because I don't really believe in Facebook. But then later on, you know, when he gets out there, he asserts, I quit my internship on day one and I kind of like want to leave my girlfriend. I want to come out here and I flash back to what I know about Zuckerberg and how he dealt with the Winklevoss twins, where he's basically saying, yeah, yeah, no, everything's, everything's cool. Yeah, no, 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 no. And until he thought he was solidified and secure. And then he plunged the knife. I felt like, I don't know if I take that understanding from that part of the movie into this one, then, you know, Eduardo probably got fucked because it's like, it's one thing if the guy's like, yeah, "Yeah, like that would suck. If he's like, you know, I don't believe in Facebook. I'm going to pursue because I'm going to pursue my internship and my girlfriend because I think that's my life here. And then Mark Zuckerberg went on for a couple of years and did his own thing, made it big. And this guy shows up like some kind of absentee father mm-hmm. and says, oh, I always believed you. Where's my 30 percent? I don't know how I feel about Mark Zuckerberg moving across the country away from this guy and then trying to desperately sever all of his ties to that guy. Um, if that guy was yeah. wanting to come out there and, and, and help. I don't know. I don't feel like I got the whole story on that. For sure. The movie is very vague on those details and I don't know if that's intentional or he just didn't feel comfortable writing those scenes because there is no information, but I don't know. I mean, he talked to guys like Eduardo, right. Um, in the creation of this script. So Mm -hmm. he's, he's got bits and pieces, but it's all, you know, there are three POVs here and who's do you, who's do you value? Who's do you give weight to at any given point in the movie? And it does a pretty good job of balancing those. I think so. And there's enough breadcrumbs that if you really want to know the answer, you can probably go find it. Uh, Before we uh, wrap things up, I want to take one more brief break and we'll be right back. There's a couple. We talk about the conclusion of this movie because there's a couple things I think the movie has conclusion. Um, And I remember, man, there was so many people being mad about the portrayal of nerd culture. And like like how they made it out to be misogynist and all that stuff. This was back in the 2010s when this movie first came out. Stuff that like I think we've got enough history at this point to be like no Silicon Valley culture nerd culture actively hostile to women oh yeah um you know uh doesn't make them feel safe or included there's this great scene where Zuckerberg is like divvying out all these assignments to people and like their girlfriends who they've established are smart and bright and from well funded families say well what can we do and they're like oh nothing nothing can't mm-hmm. can't even imagine. Uh, no, no selling ads, no publicity, no art, not just, just kind of sit over there and look pretty. Um, it does feel like that. I, I don't, I don't know what to make of that early, like 2010s, like pushback against like this nerd miso- uh, misogyny. Like I, but, but man, there's so much, so much blood and ink spilt, like just in the Gamergate stuff and just, you know, how many sexual assault and, and harassment lawsuits that have come out of Silicon Valley, out of the boardrooms. It seems like it's, uh, it's one of those things that, like, was pretty cut and dry. And it feels like this movie is rife for a sequel. Yeah. In fact... Yeah. And, and you pointed out that the problem with it is that the 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 movie, the sequel to this film is not over. Like, right. 
but I do feel like there is enough that like, I, I don't know. I, I think it'd be fascinating to do a trilogy of these mm-hmm. where you had the social network. Then you have part two, which is kind of like the meteoric rise of Facebook. And now instead of like the lawsuits and the personal costs that it, it costs Zuckerberg, now it's him in front of Congress. Now it's him answering for questions about coups in the Middle East. And now, now it's like him uh, answering questions about election interference and advertising from Russian assets and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And in just the same way that, like, I don't know, the social network didn't have a real convincing ending. It just ended and then had some title cards based on how the lawsuits like. Yeah. And then, like, maybe 10 years in the future, we could have a Citizen Kane, like, final, like, OK, because, like, clearly it seems like the U.S. government and they're already well under the way doing this in Europe and in Australia. There's this desire to like, OK, this is we don't know what the hell to do with this thing. But what we're concerned, what we're concerned, concerned with is it's too big. It's got to be broken up. Like, I can think you could easily make a third film just on whatever is going to happen in the next 10 years as far as antitrust and breaking things up and and us finding more and more investigations about this. What what do you think of that? Is there an appetite for this kind of stuff? Uh, yeah, I have an appetite for it. Um, I'd love to see Sorkin take a crack at the you know, part two of this. And, and I don't think it's, it's an ending either. Uh, but like you said, it, it could be a milestone movie where, yeah, we just look at all that. Um, I think everybody's in on it too. Like I've seen Jesse Eisenberg talk about, like I, I would play, you know, Zuckerberg again, uh, Sorkin's in just as long as Fincher is directing. So I saw the same, he's kind of the guy yeah. that, you you know, you need to put a little pressure on if you want this to happen. Yeah, I don't I wonder how they would because some of, I, I I think some of the things the personal criticism they leveled at Zuckerberg are not entirely accurate in this movie, but a lot of them that they didn't really get into were very accurate and it's be interesting to see how since they built this on a fictionalized portrayal, like how did they eventually get that? Maybe they don't. It's like, you know, well, if they made a movie now, Mark Zuckerberg is in his mid to going on late 30s. He's been married for a long time to one woman. Uh, there hasn't been a lot of like accusations of personal misogyny against him the way there are some of these other like billionaire tech boys. I think it would be a lot more about like, well, we with the first movie is a st- story about how he screwed over his friends. This is going to be how he screwed over society itself. Yeah. How he broke the social contract, you know? Yeah. Maybe that's what and it's the social network, the it. social contract. Mm-hmm. And then I don't know what the fucking third movie would be. And yeah, seems to be kind of unapologetic about it, too. Yeah, completely from what I've read. But I don't know, like, also how to because, like, what do we expect Zuckerberg to do? Get testify Congress and just like just completely shit to bed and say, yeah, it's all my fault. I knowingly subverted democracy. I took dark money funneled from Russian assets. I like, I mean, I mean, there's like legal consequences of that testimony. Like, even yeah. if it's the truth, what do we expect from <laughs> from it right i don't expect him to get in front of congress and say that i do expect the behavior to change uh behind the scenes and everything i've read about behind the scenes is he's like nah fuck everybody i'm building the biggest thing on the planet and i don't care about Mm. the consequences yeah explicitly saying what the consequences are how they can avoid the consequences but like the idea that i don't know and they've also like um you know, Facebook for the last 10 years had a pretty good like messaging team where they're just like, hey, man, we're just trying to connect people. Wouldn't it be amazing if everybody in the world was connected? What if we all connect 
But like behind the scenes, they did that. They didn't have some kind of altruistic goal of like networking every human and it was all about like making this the biggest and best and, and how it can make them money, how it can make them power. Um, I do. Yeah. I do hope these and it seems like, yeah, all the principals agree that they want to do it. That it should be done. Um, all they need to find is like a nice pause point. And, and I think we're there like we, we are, are yeah. like at this inflection point where you get plausibly end a second movie with like a bunch of questions like i say that but something could happen tomorrow that's just like oh shit like they can't end the movie here you know right 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 but like i don't know you could say something like facebook what has two-fifths of the world's population more than that i can't think yeah that's that's more than yeah like two-fifths of the world's population and it's valued at whatever trillion dollars, you know, like you could do that and just then leave it open for Cause we, who knows what the fucking governments are going to do? Yeah. You know, um, who knows like the, you know, like this thing in Australia, the way I understand it is it's, um, it's essentially uh, a scuffle over whether Facebook can essentially take people's traffic and just steal it, you know, like the new, like, and in, in, like this training of news links and stuff like that used to be you go to the Australian times or whatever's webpage and they'd sell ads on that. Well, now you can just read the whole fucking thing on, on, uh, on Facebook. And Oh, by the way, people don't even read past the headlines anymore anyway. So like it's literally destroys and they want to get paid. It's not like we want Facebook to stop sharing our shit. We just want to get a li- a dime for every time they, they link it or something. Yeah. Um, it's very unclear to me, you know, like I, I remember being excited in the nineties about the prospect of, you know, I was a big Linux guy, free software guy. I was very excited about the prospect of Microsoft getting split up the way they did, you know, AT&T and Ma Bell. Now mm-hmm. I see that that didn't do anything, but spawn a whole bunch of profitable vertical enterprises for Microsoft. And also all, by the way, AT&T, whoo, really, <laughs> really took that behemoth down. Really right. regulated them into humility and and good co- governance, uh, corporate governance and and customer support. Woo, showed them a thing or two. Like, I'm very cynical about all of this stuff. I really don't know what the fuck is going to happen in the next 10, 20 years. Yeah, I mean, a lot of these companies, you know, are poised to become even more a part of our lives. Like I look at you know stuff that's happening with VR is not like getting a ton of traction, but as we go more and more online and fewer of our, our interactions happen offline, there becomes this big incentive for people to find genuine interactions online, right? Not like, Oh, I'm doom scrolling my Twitter feed, looking for the people I follow to say witty things. It's like, where can I have a conversation? Um, yeah. With somebody genuinely online. Facebook is poised to become that, you know, pivot back into like real human interactions, just in the virtual space, you know, we could be looking at the next, uh, uh, I forget the name of it. Uh, the next Mao, uh, enterprises in space, right. From like 20 years from now, who knows where Facebook could go. It's like trying to, trying to predict a milestone here is kind of crazy. And I feel like it'll look really silly in, in the future. Yeah, what was that Mal Kwiatkowski Mercantile? Yeah, the, the trillion dollar inter, uh, thing in the expanse. Yeah, go, go to space, go to VR, go to wherever. Like, the there are new new real estate uh, is being developed, and it's in the cyberspace. Yeah, and also there's increasingly physical things like you know Elon Musk diversifying into space flight and 
and uh, self-driving cars and Amazon is doing like, you know, trying to do drone delivery and last mile Mm -hmm. service. Like there's all this crazy innovation happening where um, where where does all that fit in? You know, like I remember all of the hand wringing about Walmart and what that's going to do to small town America and all that. But like now, like Amazon looks like it's the beast. It's like it's the final it's the final objective. It's the final state of the world. It's like everything. Everybody will work in an Amazon fulfillment center. They'll shop on Amazon.com. Well, but they it's won't like, because when the drones are delivering shit and the robots are picking it from the shelves, nobody will work anywhere. That's that's true. That's the problem. We've yeah, got, what do we do about <laughs> that? Mm-hmm. Good luck. Good luck solving that problem. Maybe I'll die especially, before it happens. That'll be great. <laughs> especially when the people who are going to inform us about it, like, guess what? All their infrastructure runs on Amazon mm-hmm. cloud computing. And, and what uh, happens? Oh, you tried to form a union to stop this? Well, we're going to run ads on our own platforms that may or may not get taken the, down. The union, the union busting that Amazon is doing right now would yeah. be the envy of any street tough in the night in the 1910s. You know, they like they're, they're able to big, do uh, nightstick right <laughs> yeah they don't need to run up on lot of people protesting and beat them to death with baseball bats they can just like nip all that in the bud with their captive audiences and with their captive politicians and yeah whew, i don't know convincing the public that it's a bad idea somehow right well i mean like look at what the you know like they're it's so funny because like the the uber legislation that went uh down in in california that they split they spend like 400 million dollars Trying to is that what the that number trying something. to and, and got it done. And like there was like people saying like there are well, there's easy pre- predict and bad consequences from passing this legislation. And the second that they are successful, it's going to happen all across the world. You're going to see this happen in New York. You're going to see this happen in Texas. And they were all the, the naysayers are right, because that's exactly what's going to happen. You know, um, I don't know. Uh, I, I Yeah, it seems it's it seems crazy because like my industry did that they fought this like um in programming there was this like hey you yeah. know what why are we paying people salary and benefits and we can just you know give them a 1099 and uh pay them a flat rate they can pay their own damn taxes like this is this is super easy to get and the irs is like well you know you can't just say that you're not treating an empl- a full-time employee like a full-time employee and get away with it yeah. like i feel like that that's in the next five years coming down the pike that like there's some kind of Supreme Court ruling that'll be like you can't fucking legislate a full-time job away just because you really really want it to you know I don't know we'll see I mean there are a lot of these fights coming up in the very near future and Facebook is going to be a part of a lot of them that's true and they're going to be where people get the majority of their news especially like large voting blocks like baby boomers and whatnot that's why Um, I downloaded the APs uh app instead of using facebook for you're getting unvar- unvarnished eh yeah i gotta get it from the source man yeah i i saw that the, that's another thing that's encouraging i'm seeing a lot of renewed interest in like public television and reporting like people like that's always been the uh, the fear in this country it's like oh god right. well if the government's paying providing funding for the news well then of course it'll just be a tool of the state and yet a lot of people are looking at like, you know, the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation and the British Broadcasting Corporation and like the quality of news that this guy, it doesn't always work. There was some, uh, you know, some questionable takes uh, in British media about Brexit, for example. They're having some issues with transphobia in the news. Um, 
But it's hard to look at what's going on here in America in the last 30 years on AM radio and on cable news network on our Internet and think that, oh, yeah, privately funded media. That's the way that's the silver bullet solution for this. Yeah. Um, but there is a renewed interest in public broadcasting and, and, and public uh, journalism, uh, which I think is encouraging because if nothing else, it's uh, it's it's something that can compete with the paid for journalism. Um, and that's the other frustrating mm-hmm. thing is. Uh, I've seen so many news, uh, seen so many articles, think pieces about this. It's kind of like making the observation that like you have to pay for the truth, high quality journalism. You know, it's not free. You can't go to Wall Street Journal and, you know, New York Times. They hit you with paywalls. The places just making shit up. That stuff is free, man. It's got, you know, it's, yeah. it's just you just subscribe to it on YouTube. Yeah, you get it. it it's, it's pumped out on the airwaves. It's pumped out on all the free television stuff like. It's how do you compete with that? I mean, you know? it's exactly the same model as they're talking about with Facebook, right? Like grow this thing until you know what it is. Getting getting your product in the hands of more people is more important than monetizing it today. And yeah, that's how the these quote unquote news corporations uh, work. They just get eyeballs what? on their stuff. One last thing I saw this. This is one of the first the last things I read before we convened for the podcast. But there's this interesting article that was essentially stating that um what fincher and um sorkin were doing here this is essentially the baby boomer generation like reporting on or passing judgment on the millennial generation mm-hmm. um what do you what do you think about that is there any truth to that that like some of this is like a lot of tut tutting and you know being concerned because oh the youth today what are they doing we built this democracy and it's great and we had protests and we ended the vietnam war and what are you guys fucking doing with it now does the movie do a lot of that because i don't get the sense coming out of this movie that the movie has a strong opinion about the thing that is facebook it has more of Mm. an opinion or it doesn't even have a super strong opinion about the people involved in this it's more like we're just presenting to you a compelling story of of these three different tales of what happened here and it's up to you to sort of place your sympathies and and you know under understand it but like on facebook the core thing i'm not sure the movie has much of an opinion damn yeah i think Does you're it? right like I mean, uh no i i think no i think you are right like if they came back and did it now it would be but like yeah if they're expressing like a the the, the, the judgiest they are of this movie or of this culture is when they're kind of like making commentary by not commentating about the, you know, way they use women, the way they use drugs, and alcohol stuff. Yeah. Not just that, but like just the, the culture of like, you know, drunken okay, coding marathons and, and the yeah. partying and the drugs and all that kind of stuff. But like, Jesus Christ, I've, you know, uh, I've seen the movie wall street. Like I know that they knew what was going on in the late seventies and the early eighties. Like, yeah. yeah, I don't, I don't know that that like, as a critique, a generational critique is going to stick, you know, because like, how is that different than what we saw the Wolf of Wall Street? And, you know, at least these guys built something legitimate and they're not just getting rich on penny stocks and manipulation and stuff. So, right, right. Yeah, they're manipulating our need for a community and the fact that we don't have any. Um it's interesting because especially since like, you know, a lot of people rightfully so are lauding this inter- this age we're going into, like where people can work from home and telecommute again. I know I'm leaving out a lot of service jobs and factory jobs and stuff, but like white collar jobs are just like, woohoo, we don't we can be decentralized. We have to go. But like I keep thinking that as like, man, that's the last social fabric for a lot of Americans. 
yeah. don't go to church anymore. We don't have social clubs. Uh, there's no town square to congregate around. Now there's not a water cooler. Mm-hmm. There's no there's no place where you can be forced to 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 hang out with people you don't 100 percent agree with. You can't self select your own bubble of people to to I, I am a little bit yeah. afraid of like what that's going to do to uh you know people li- especially people living in the cities where you know it's like you're surrounded by people but so crushingly alone and it's it's isolating because i think you're always going to disagree with somebody on something and if yes. if you go around you know blocking or unfriending everybody who you disagree with on anything you're going to be left with no friends um and and you're not like you said you're not going to be forced to interact regularly with people you don't agree a hundred percent with. So it has a very isolating effect too. It's not just that, you know, you're self-selecting your group. You may not even have a group by the, by the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I, I hope that there is a, a sequel and that Sorkin and, and uh, venture get together to do it. With Eisen Eisenberg, I guess. Um, yeah. <laughs> I wonder if uh, how how do you think uh, Eisen Eisenberg would portray like modern era Zuck like Brent Spiner as Data Zuckerberg Zuckerberg mechanically drinking water and not blinking in Congress because like there is a little bit of charisma because I do think Jesse has this kind of weird you know charisma to his performance sure. and just yeah. the raw like do you do you how will they do that in the second film like will that be seen as like a facade that he's putting up or will he just like oh that's that's zuck he's mellowed into an android i don't know yeah i don't i don't know that's i assume he'd play him pretty much like this except maybe uh, somehow more entitled (laughs) yeah i'm not sure you bring back Rashida Jones and she's trying to patiently explain to him like these aren't the Winkle Vosses. This isn't your buddy that you fucked over over beers in Harvard. These are senators and yeah. Congress people. And he's like, well, if they're that important and why don't they have a YouTube account or something? I can. Yeah, I can see the uh, he, he's um, probably the only guy that they absolutely need to bring back. Right. Everybody else I've in this movie, I feel like is dealt with. Um, if you're yeah, going to do a sequel, there's no reason you just need yeah. Jesse Eisenberg. And you're you recast everybody else, so or not Although recast, would, but you just cast new cast characters. I would love to see a Winklevoss movie about their Bitcoin billions. Like I, that that's, Ben Mesrick has written a book about Bitcoin. I don't know if it's about them, but yeah, yeah, I saw that. I saw that they have to be. I mean, they're prominent. They're prominent people in this this whole sword play, so they'd have to be. But no, I, I think there'd be a real. There's got to be some real fun information to mine about these fucking idiots. Yeah that uh you know keep somehow failing upwards uh, in in life i don't know maybe they're nice guys maybe they're you know they're, they're clearly hard workers you don't make it to the olympics <laughs> with you don't fail up into the olympics yeah uh, but you don't come in sixth in the beijing olympics by being hey, so, yeah, out of out of out of only 20 countries that sent that sent athletes to compete in this particular event yeah no anybody who no, makes clearly. the olympics i'm not going to talk shit about you clearly come in they were 20th. dedicated i don't care they're they're dedicated on a furiously pulling a stick for six years yes. and that that dedication that dedication pulled off or paid off. So what are you going to do? But I, I wouldn't mind seeing a, a Winkle Winkle Vi movie. Uh, but yeah, I, I got to see the yeah. social the social network, the social consequences. We'll call it. Um, do you have anything else you want to talk about with the social network? No, I think I'm good. 
Well, I hope you guys enjoyed our discussion of the movie and kind of like the questions it raises and how we feel about it 10 years on. We'll be back next week with uh, another great one. It's uh, First Blood that started the Rambo trilogy. And if you're only familiar with Rambo uh, based on his image of roided up, oiled up, uh, the headband, you know, and the, the Sylvester Stallone automatic trip to the yeah. waist with the big, you know, squad assault <laughs> weapon, just mowing down hundreds of Ruskies, then you might be in for a surprise because first blood is a, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a good film. It's actually a really good film. Uh, yeah. And I'm looking forward to watching it, but we'll be back with first blood, the original 1982 origin story of Rambo next week. Until then I'm Aaron and I'm Jim. See ya.